Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 125. How's the iPhone 10 doing? Hi, I'm Neil. This is going to be a special edition episode of the Above Avalon podcast. Typically, I record a podcast episode a few days after I publish a weekly article over at AboveAvalon.com. But this week is going to be different. And that's because Apple reported earnings a few days ago. I did publish my full earnings review to Above Avalon subscribers. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. But today, I want to focus on one topic from Apple's earnings. And this particular topic has been in the news quite a bit in recent weeks. I would argue this has been in the news for the past year. Of course, we're talking about iPhone X. 2017 ended up being an interesting year in terms of the Apple rumor, or I guess you could call it Apple scoop industry. A lot of the focus was on what Apple had planned for the premium end of the iPhone line. In recent years, we saw Apple launch two flagship iPhones at the same time, a 4.7-inch screen and a 5.5-inch screen. But Apple had something else in mind for 2017. We were going to get three new iPhones. And a lot of attention was placed at that most premium model, a model that could even cost more than $1,000. This kicked off a debate regarding iPhone, Apple's philosophy around pricing, and really how people embrace technology. How are people embracing smartphones in their life? Is there demand for a smartphone that exceeds $1,000? Now, of course, Apple was already selling a few iPhone SKUs that were very close to $1,000, but people didn't really focus on that. And once we knew what this premium iPhone would be called back in September 2017, iPhone 10, it seemed like the amount of skepticism or doubt facing this particular iPhone just continued to rise. There was no letdown. And the other interesting element about this iPhone rumor mill in 2017 was that there was this belief that Apple was still trying to figure out how people would use the iPhone 10. Recall all of these reports about Apple debating between Face ID, Touch ID, as late as mid-2017. Something about those reports just didn't seem right. Two months prior to announcement, Apple is still trying to figure out a core part of how people will use this phone. That doesn't sound right. As we later found out, and once we began using iPhone 10 and using its facial recognition and Face ID, this wasn't something that was just figured out in June of 2017. Apple is on record saying that they knew iPhone 10 would position Face ID as a replacement for Touch ID in 2016. Now, it was a very challenging proposition. It was probably one of the hardest things Apple had to do with the iPhone in recent years. But as most people who have an iPhone 10 would admit, I think they got it right. So something about these leaks coming from the supply chain were way off. It definitely sparked my interest. Another thing that caught my interest in 2017 were all of these reports that said iPhone 10 supply 
is going to be an issue. In fact, Apple is probably going to have its most difficult supply ramp with iPhone X versus any previous iPhone model. There are some people even going as far as to say, you may have supply issues for iPhone X all the way until May 2018, this month. In reality, what happened? The supply ramp for iPhone X was better than any other iPhone model in history. Apple did a remarkable job in terms of ramping supply. Now, what happened? What changed? How did we go for months of there is definitely going to be a supply issue here to, oh, never mind, there's no supply issue at all. Instead, Apple did really well in terms of producing iPhone X units. Again, there's something odd about the leaks, the rumors coming out of the iPhone supply chain. And then in 2018, we have a new round of leaks saying that the iPhone X is actually suffering from very poor demand. Apple is slashing orders because it seems like no one is buying iPhone X. This situation led to lowered expectations heading into Apple's second quarter 2018 earnings report. Apple reported good results earlier this week. But because expectations were so low, it made those numbers seem even better or even stronger. We had overall revenue up 16% year over year. When you take a look at the past few quarters, that's the sixth consecutive quarter of accelerating revenue growth. And there's three main drivers behind that revenue growth. iPhone 10, services, and wearables. We had Apple ramping share buyback, benefiting from a lower tax rate as well. That leads to pretty strong EPS growth. We're talking 30% year-over-year increase in EPS, earnings per share. Turning specifically to iPhone results, Apple shipped 52.2 million iPhones during the quarter. That's up 3% versus the previous year. From a unit sales perspective, that wasn't a record. Apple actually shipped more than 60 million iPhones back in the second quarter of 2015. However, iPhone average selling price was $728. And that's a significant increase versus what iPhone average selling price was in previous years. What drove that increase? iPhone 10. You also had iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. It was that higher iPhone average selling price that led Apple to report stronger year-over-year results when looking at iPhone revenue. While unit sales are only up 2% year-over-year, iPhone revenue was up 15% year-over-year. That's also, again, why Apple did pretty good in terms of overall revenue growth. Diving a little bit deeper into these iPhone results, Apple announced iPhone channel inventory changes, and this is very critical for determining the difference between sell-through demand for iPhone and sell-in demand. Sell-through, you could think of it as customer demand. Sell-in, you could think of it as how many iPhones Apple shipped from the factory. I'm generalizing that a little bit. 
there's a little bit more nuance there, but I think for this discussion, that's a pretty good description of what's happening. In the second quarter, 2018, Apple had a 1.8 million unit iPhone channel inventory drawdown. That means that the number of iPhones in the channel declined by 1.8 million units. What do we do with that number? Well, one thing is you compare it to the previous year. Compare it to second quarter 2017. Apple had a 1.2 million unit iPhone channel inventory drawdown. With those two numbers in hand, we can now calculate iPhone demand on a sell-through basis. So we're excluding those channel inventory adjustments. And that's going to give us the best view of what iPhone demand looks like year over year. So on a sell-through basis, customer demand for iPhone was up 4% during the second quarter of 2018. That's up a little bit from the 3% growth in demand seen in the first quarter of 2018. This shouldn't come as too much of a surprise since Apple management told us to expect a slight increase in sell-through demand. So we have a pretty good look at how overall iPhone demand trended during the quarter. But what about iPhone 10? That was the model that a lot of people were nervous about. While Apple reports overall unit sales during the quarter, the company doesn't provide iPhone sales by model. There's a couple reasons for that. I think the first one is for competitive issues. If you're Apple, you don't want to give your competitors a look at which models are selling well, or maybe more importantly, which models aren't selling well. Another reason not to disclose iPhone sales by model every three months is there's a lot of fluctuation in that number. So if you're Apple management, I don't know if you want analysts to try to model this on a quarterly basis. It could lead to a lot of error. However, from time to time, Apple management provides a clue or two about how a particular iPhone model is selling. And we got one of those clues this week. Here's Tim Cook. Quote, customers chose iPhone 10 more than any other iPhone each week in the March quarter, just as they did following its launch in the December quarter. Since we split the line with the launch of iPhone 6 and 6 Plus in 2014, this is the first cycle in which the top-of-the-line iPhone model has also been the most popular, end quote. What is Tim Cook saying there? We don't have specific sales numbers. We don't have percentages. But by knowing that the iPhone 10 is outselling every other model, we can start to derive a fair estimate for what percent of iPhone sales were attributed to iPhone 10. We can look at things like iPhone 8, iPhone 8 Plus. Would those new iPhones represent a low percentage like 5% of overall sales or even 10% of overall iPhone sales? I don't think so. And the reason for my stance is that we have iPhone average selling price data. We know that Apple is shipping a significant number of premium-priced iPhones versus previous years. 
So it's not likely that these higher priced iPhone 8, 8 Plus, that they're very low percentages in terms of overall sales. I think they're much higher. They're probably more like 20, 25%. And since you have two models, well, now you know iPhone 10 has to be, from a percentage basis, higher than 20, 25%. According to my estimate, I think iPhone 10 represented around 28% of overall iPhone unit sales during a quarter. When you then take into account the iPhone 8 Plus and iPhone 8, I think new iPhones, the three new iPhones, accounted for somewhere between 70 and 75% of overall iPhone unit sales. The remaining portion were attributed to older iPhones. So iPhones that Apple is still selling just at lower prices. You also have things like the iPhone SE. So if we take those percentages and we actually turn them into unit sales, my estimate is that Apple sold 15 million iPhone 10 devices during the quarter. When we add that number to the 27 million iPhone 10s that I think Apple sold in the first quarter of 2018, my estimate is that Apple has likely sold between 40 million and 45 million iPhone 10 units since launch. That's approximately 35% of overall iPhone unit sales. This raises a rather obvious question. Is that good or bad? Is 35% of overall iPhone unit sales strong? Does it exceed management's initial expectations? Or is that sales percentage disappointing? This is where we also have questions regarding how the iPhone 10 may be doing in the current quarter, the third quarter of 2018. Did the sequential decline in iPhone average selling price from the first quarter 18 to the second quarter 2018 suggest that maybe iPhone 10 demand did deteriorate during the quarter? Does iPhone channel inventory suggest that maybe Apple is holding on to unsold iPhone 10 units? All of those questions suggest that we have to go further when analyzing iPhone 10. It's not enough that we just calculate, well, iPhone 10 represented 35% of overall iPhone unit sales. Let's take a look at iPhone average selling price. Let's take a look at iPhone channel inventory to see are there clues that maybe, yeah, iPhone 10 demand did get worse throughout the quarter. Turning back to iPhone average selling price, we know that Apple reported a $728 iPhone ASP during the second quarter of 2018. When you compare that number to the previous quarter, $796 during the first quarter of 2018, you have a decline in iPhone average selling price of $68. Well, how does that decline compare to previous years? In 2017, the decline from fiscal year first quarter to second quarter was $40. 2016, it was $49. 2015, $29. So this tells us that Apple reported a larger drop in iPhone average selling price this year between first quarter and second quarter 
versus previous years. That led some people to think, well, wait a second. Maybe iPhone 10 didn't sell too well. So maybe my sales estimate of iPhone 10 being between 30 and 35% of sales, maybe that's too optimistic. I think such skepticism is misplaced. I don't think the large drop in iPhone average selling price points to iPhone 10 demand falling off a cliff during the quarter. There's a very simple reason. The iPhone 10 launch took place six weeks later than usual. When you consider how Apple was able to ramp supply, as we mentioned early in the episode, it was, I think, the best iPhone model to date in terms of supply ramp. In fact, Apple was able to reach iPhone demand supply equilibrium last quarter, the first quarter of 2018. Typically, it takes Apple two quarters after a flagship iPhone launch to meet demand. This is why we saw iPhone average selling price shoot higher in the first quarter of 2018. Those results reflected a significant number of iPhone 10 units. Since Apple was able to meet iPhone 10 demand in the first quarter of 2018, the company didn't have to add as many iPhone 10 units into channel inventory for second quarter of 2018. As we'll see in a few minutes, this is why channel inventory drawdown was a little bit higher in the second quarter of 2018 versus previous years. The end result is that iPhone 10 represented a lower percentage of overall iPhone shipments in the second quarter of 2018 versus the first quarter of 2018. We're talking about the difference between, say, 30% of overall sales in the second quarter to something like 35% of overall sales in the first quarter. That explains the larger-than-normal drop in average selling price during the quarter. I don't think it reflected iPhone 10 demand falling off a cliff. In terms of iPhone channel inventory, we previously said that Apple had a 1.8 million iPhone unit inventory drawdown. So that is a reduction in channel inventory. That exceeds the inventory drawdown seen in the second quarter of 2017 and the second quarter of 2016. So does that reflect that maybe Apple was running with extra high inventory? Not necessarily. In my full earnings review that I sent to Above Avalon subscribers, I broke out the change in iPhone channel inventory by quarter. And what you see is that iPhone channel inventory levels are pretty much unchanged from the second quarter of 2017. That doesn't strike me as a company that's suffering from bloated channel inventory due to people not buying iPhone 10. This brings us to expectations. According to my estimate, Apple has sold between 40 million and 45 million iPhone 10 units since launch. That's about 35% of overall iPhone unit sales. Is that better or worse than what Apple management was expecting? That's a tough question to answer, since we don't know Apple management's expectations. However, I can answer whether that sales percentage is better or worse than my expectations. I go back to September 2017. 
I attended the inaugural event at Steve Jobs Theater. I saw Apple launch iPhone 10, and I published at that time my initial sales projection for iPhone 10. I thought that it could represent 35 to 40 percent of overall iPhone unit sales, and I noted that that percentage was based on Apple being able to ramp iPhone 10 supply. It wasn't that I was expecting iPhone 10 to represent something like 70% of iPhone sales or 75%. This isn't like iPhone 4 or iPhone 4S, where one flagship iPhone was expected to represent a majority of iPhone sales. I just don't think that was likely. I have trouble seeing Apple management think the iPhone 10 at $1,000 would represent a majority of sales. Instead, my suspicion is they probably were thinking a sales percentage close to my expectation. So while I was expecting 35 to 40% of overall iPhone unit sales, it looks like iPhone 10 is more like 30 to 35%. That sure doesn't sound like a disappointment to me. I will go on record to say I think the iPhone 10 is doing good. I think any other smartphone manufacturer out there would crave to have a phone like iPhone 10. How is it possible then for iPhone 10 to be doing so well in the marketplace, and yet you have pundits, analysts pointing to this phone simply not doing well, to demand falling off a cliff, to expectations having to be continuously dialed back? It doesn't seem to match. We look at Apple's revenue guidance for the current quarter, third quarter 2018. It really looks like more of the same for the iPhone business. It doesn't look like there's going to be significant changes. My suspicion is that there are two culprits here. The first is the iPhone supply chain. And the second is the Goldilocks iPhone era. In terms of the iPhone supply chain, I think these leaks, these rumors, these shipment numbers that are coming from suppliers, coming from assemblers, I think they end up being very small pieces to what is a very large and complicated puzzle. And people who are running too far with these leaks, I think they're doing it wrong. I don't think they have all of the information. This past quarter, one line item in Apple's balance sheet jumped out at people was the inventory line item. Apple had a significant amount of components on the balance sheet. Why? I think they're getting ready for the new iPhones. I think Apple wants to make sure that they have adequate supply of key components given their flagship iPhone roadmap. There's no question in my mind that this has led to difficulty in terms of taking these leaks from the iPhone supply chain and then trying to convert them over to what it means for iPhone demand. It just doesn't work this time around. This cycle is different. I think this is why we are seeing increasing rumors and leaks from the supply chain that just don't make sense. At this point, we can't even rule out Apple as being a potential factor here. We know the company is on a crusade to stop leaks, 
Part of that process is to figure out who is leaking. Well, one way of doing that is you give some false information to people and you see if it gets out. I think another factor here is in terms of the iPhone supply chain, you're going to always have winners and losers. If you're a supplier and you lost a key order, or if you now have to share an order with someone else, you're going to be upset about that. You may be more willing to share those frustrations with certain analysts or pundits or publications. You may know what's going on in your company in terms of Apple orders, but you won't know what's going on in terms of other suppliers. This brings us to the final subtopic for today's episode. A few years ago, the iPhone business was registering 40-45% unit sales growth. It was very difficult for a reporter, journalist, or analyst to publish an article that doubted the iPhone business, that raised concerns about iPhone demand. Most readers would say, well, wait a second, unit sales are up 40-50%. How can you write an article about bad iPhone demand? But look at the iPhone business today. iPhone unit sales are flat. Some quarters they may be down, some quarters they may be up. It's much easier for pundits or journalists to write articles questioning iPhone demand or questioning Apple's iPhone strategy. It's unfortunate, but it's pretty easy writing an article that says iPhone 10 demand is coming in below expectations. The reason why it's so easy to write that is it's impossible to prove. We don't know management's expectations. So how can we actually analyze if your theory, if your suggestions are right or wrong? This same dynamic, by the way, applies to Apple M&A. You see some people go around and say, if only Apple bought Instagram or Tesla, things would be so much different today. Things would be better for Apple today. Well, how do you know that? You'll never be able to prove that. That's why I think those kind of arguments that you can't actually judge, that you can't actually prove right or wrong, they're not good arguments. They're theories that can never be actually tested. And when you're looking at iPhone criticism and this whole, well, iPhone unit sales are flat and Apple is struggling to figure out what to do about that and Apple is now doing more services because iPhone sales are flat, I think all of that is off the mark. It's missing the big picture. We are in the Goldilocks era for iPhone iPhone unit sales are not going to go up 40, 50% year over year. But they're also not going to implode. Instead, you're going to see this range somewhere between, say, 10% growth or a 10% decline. It's going to fluctuate quarter to quarter. Average selling price trends, it probably will revert to the mean over time. Margins probably will remain stable. So the iPhone business... Well, it's not going to be too hot in the sense of continuously increasing average selling prices, a step change in unit sales. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's not going to be too cold either. 
And when it comes to analyzing the iPhone business in this era, you can't just go by unit sales growth. You can't look and say, well, unit sales are only up 2%. And that's despite Apple selling this new flagship iPhone 10. That must mean the iPhone 10 is disappointing. It must mean that demand is coming in below Manchin's expectations. The problem with those conclusions is iPhone sales are made up of two things. Sales to new users and sales to existing users or upgraders. Even though iPhone sales may be flat, Apple may still be bringing in new users into the iPhone install base. That's a pretty important consideration when analyzing the iPhone business. In terms of the iPhone upgrade cycle getting longer and people holding on to their iPhones for longer before deciding to upgrade, just because a new flagship iPhone doesn't change that dynamic, that doesn't mean it's a failure. It doesn't mean that it's a disappointment. Instead, for Apple, the much more important consideration is keeping those existing iPhone users satisfied. So when it is time for an upgrade, when they are ready to look for that new smartphone, they're going to look at iPhone. They're going to see whatever the latest iPhone is at that time. Apple looks at the iPhone 10 as a stepping stone to the future. I don't think that's just marketing talk. The technology's powering iPhone 10 will power years and years of future flagship iPhones. So to have 40 to 45 million people over just the past few months look at that technology and already see a place for it in their life, that tells me Apple made the right bet with iPhone 10. That's going to do it for today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I published my full earnings review to above Avalon subscribers. This included two emails. The first went over all of the major themes from Apple's earnings and conference call. The second email went through all of my notes. So we talked about 26 different topics. If you're already an above Avalon subscriber, look for those emails in your inbox. If you're not currently an Above Avalon subscriber and you like to read my earnings review, all you have to do is become a subscriber. Head on over to AboveAvalon.com and then go to the subscribe page. Sign up is very simple, very quick. There are two subscription options, either $10 per month or $100 per year. The cornerstone of an Above Avalon subscription is receiving my exclusive daily email all about Apple. So each update is about 2,000 words and covers everything that I think matters in the world of Apple. Above Avalon subscribers also have the option of joining the Above Avalon team in Slack. So there is an archive available where you can go back and read previous daily updates, and you can chat with other Above Avalon subscribers in a forum. Subscribers live in 54 countries and hold a pretty diverse range of backgrounds and occupations, so it usually makes for a very dynamic and interesting chat. Above Avalon is 100% supported by subscriptions, so if you enjoy the analysis found in these podcast episodes and the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, I think you'd be interested in becoming a subscriber and receiving my analysis and perspective throughout the week. A big thank you goes out to those of you who are already Above Avalon subscribers and those of you who are thinking about becoming an Above Avalon subscriber. 
Last but certainly not least, if you enjoy the Above Avalon podcast and you really like this episode, if you can leave a rating or review for the podcast in Apple's podcast app, it helps introduce the podcast to new people, and I greatly appreciate it. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all next week. Bye.